Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, and we hope that you are encouraged by today's message. Well, we made it. We made it to week four of Chase the Lion, and uh, if you've been here all four weeks, good for you. There's going to be a sticker on the way out that you can pick up and put into your Sunday school journal. No, nobody remembers those, just me. Okay, uh, but no, we're so glad that you've been here for these, and, and if today is like your first time here during the Chase the Line series, we don't keep track of your attendance. If you've missed a couple, I would encourage you to kind of go back and just look uh, on our website or on iTunes for the podcast of these four sermons, uh, because I, I said in week one, and I really did mean it, and it has nothing to do with me or Pastor Mark, but I just believed that the content of this series has the ability to change our lives. And I know through some of the stories and testimonies that we've gotten, some of the emails, some of the connection cards where people have filled out some things that God's been doing during this series, and I know that for some folks that that's been the case, that's been the reality for them, is that they believe that the Lord is changing their life and changing their circumstance, uh, and they're walking through maybe even some dark days right this second or some some rough times right this second, but they believe that they're walking through those because of the, the journey that God is taking them on. And so we conclude today, and you know, we've been looking at 2 Samuel. Samuel 23, and we're actually going to go there in just a minute. We're going to look at a couple other scriptures today as well. But we've been looking at 2 Samuel 23 because it lists for us a bunch of names of these mighty men of David, these men that helped King David to accomplish great things. Some of them, they did these things on their own. Then they came to David, and they show their strength and their might and their power and their ability. And with their, their efforts combined with King David, they were able to do great things. But today, instead of just looking back I want us to look forward. You know, we, we in this series, we've been uh, basing some of the content out of the book by Pastor Mark Batterson called Chase the Line. That's really where we got the idea for the series. And there was a quote in the book, very, very close to the end. It was around page like 200 or so um, that really, really, really challenged me. And I want to read that to kind of set up where we're spending our time today. This is what he said as he's quoting Dr. Richard Halverson. He says, you're going to meet an old man someday down the road. 10, 30, 50 years from now, waiting there for you. That old man will be you. He'll be the composite of everything that you do, say, and think today and tomorrow. His heart will be turning out what you've been putting into it. Every little thought, every deed goes into this old man. Every day, in every way, you are becoming more and more like yourself. Amazing but true. You're beginning to look more like yourself, think more like yourself, and talk more like yourself. You're becoming yourself more and more. Now, when I read that, I mean, I was so challenged by that idea. Because I want you to think right now, close your eyes. I realize some of you, you've been up for probably six hours at this point if you're here at the 830 service. But I want you to close your eyes just for a second. Don't go to sleep. But just for a second, close your eyes. And I want you to think about that person in the future that you are. Maybe it's five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 25, 30, 50 years, whatever number you feel like you can safely dream about, I want you to think about that person in your future. You're not thinking about some disconnected person from you. You're thinking about your future person five years from now, 50 years from now perhaps. What does that person look like? How does that person act? Now you can open your eyes and look at me. Here's the reality according to this quote that I think we all understand. That person is and will be who you and I make them to be. 
They're not just arbitrarily going to show up on that day, right? There's no genie in a bottle that just says, here's you 50 years from now. This is not the ghost of Christmas future. This is who you are making yourself to be and who God is forming you to be and who God is forming me to be. So five years down the road or 10 years down the road or 25 years down the road, we will become and we will be who we have been becoming all along. The things that we say, the things that we do, the risks that we take, and the risks that we don't. You know, there's some famous quotes, and I've seen it used a lot of different ways. It says, you show me the five closest friends that you have in your life, and you show me the five books that you like to read on a regular basis, and I'll tell you who you'll be in 10 years. Well, maybe that's true, or maybe it's some other combination of the things in our lives. But you are becoming who you will be, and I am becoming who I will be. And so as we look at this Chase the Lion series, as we understand that it's about chasing these 500-pound lines, these big God-sized dreams, I thought today for us to end, we end with this very scary reality that who you're chasing and what you're chasing will determine who you will be in your future. Now, no part of today is meant to be morbid or to make us think about death and dying, except that I want to talk about death and dying here for just a second. 1 Chronicles 29, verses 26 through 28, say this. David, son of Jesse, was king over all of Israel. He ruled over Israel 40 years, seven in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. He died at a good old age, having enjoyed long life, wealth, and honor. David's my favorite character in Scripture. I say that a lot. I say character, and and sometimes people say, he's not a character, he's a person. I get that. But he is my favorite character in the narrative of Scripture. And 2 Samuel 23, where we've spent our time over these last few weeks, is about those mighty men, those men that joined alongside David and helped to accomplish great feats. And we've been talking about them chasing lions and killing people and doing things and killing the enemy and going and chasing and getting water and all the things that we've preached over these last few weeks. But we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about David. These are his mighty men. These are the guys that surrounded him. He was the king of Israel. He was the second king of Israel. He came after Saul, who was trying to kill him at one point when God removed the anointing from Saul and placed it on David. But I love the story of David. And I love how verse 28 said that he died at a good old age, having enjoyed long life, wealth, and honor. I hope that can be said of me and you at some point in our future. You know, maybe not as much about the wealth. I mean, wealth is not a sin in itself. But wealth, honor, having lived a good old age and enjoyed a long life. But the reality of the story of David, and many of you know this, you're familiar with his story. The reality of the story of David is that he dreamed a lot of dreams. And he had a lot of plans and he had a lot of things that he wanted to accomplish with his life. And some of those dreams did not get realized in the lifespan that David was on the earth. He came, he lived, and he died, and there were some dreams that were yet unrealized. And that's really the last key of this series, that if we're going to chase lions, if we're going to dream God-sized dreams, then we have to understand that some God-sized dreams are truly God-sized, which means they're not only bigger than us, they last longer than us. In his book, Batterson says this. He says, the key to dreaming big is to thinking long. And the bigger the dream, the longer the timeline. And if you're thinking in terms of eternity, you should have some dreams that can't be accomplished in your lifetime. 
Are you dreaming any dreams that will outlive you? Are you dreaming any dreams that will outlive you? Or are all of your dreams going to be realized before you live a good old age, live a good long life, and you come to the end of your time? Are all of your dreams about what's going to happen on your job in the next six months, 12 months, five years, 10 years before you retire? Some of you have already realized retirement, so maybe those dreams are not about your vocation. Maybe they're about your family, and maybe they're about your retirement and traveling and all the things that you want to do. But what is it that you are dreaming that will outlive you? Because if you and I are truly dreaming God-sized dreams, if we are chasing big things that are bigger than us, then they may last longer than us. And it means that we may be chasing some things that we don't get to see the full ramifications of those dreams. You know, President Abraham Lincoln, a great revered figure in the history of our country, for a lot of reasons, he was a great leader. I love reading about leadership, so he's one of my favorites. I read a book called Team of Rivals a few years ago where it talks about the people that you know were kind of against him, the people that ran against him in the campaign, and how he pulled all those people together, and they were at odds, completely at odds, but that's who he filled his, his White House and his, his closest advisors with, those people that disagreed with him so it could sharpen ideas. I love reading about this, and I ran across this quote. I had read this before. Some of you are familiar with this quote, perhaps. But I also read this in Batterson's book. It talks about he was trying to get the last few votes for the abolishment of slavery. And this is what he said. He said, abolishing slavery by constitutional provision settles the fate for all coming time, not only of the millions now in bondage, but of unborn millions to come. Abraham Lincoln was chasing a dream that would outlast him. He was trying to provide a constitutional provision which would abolish slavery, and he understood that there were millions who were in bondage at that point in time in history that were under the bondage of slavery, but if they were to see this thing through, it would actually benefit unborn millions that he would never get to meet, that would come long after he was gone from this earth. He was dreaming. He was chasing something that would outlive him. So, to get the full picture of where we're going to spend the remainder of our time today, I want us to go back to 1 Chronicles 29. It was already up on the screen a minute ago, and it will be. You don't have to turn there. We're not going to spend much more time there in that chapter. But 1 Chronicles 29, which we've already read, I want to actually finish the last verse, which I didn't last time. David, son of Jesse, was king over all of Israel. He ruled over Israel 40 years, 7 in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. He died at a good old age, having enjoyed long life, wealth, and honor. His son Solomon succeeded him as king. His son Solomon succeeded him as king. I shared in the first week of this series some God-sized dreams that I was believing for Canton Church in this calendar year. That we wanted to see 15 people go on the mission field. You need to be here next week to hear some plans of how we're wanting to see that accomplished. We wanted to see 75 people serving in our community this year in various ways through the things that we're going to create. We want to see 500 first-time guests to come and to be a part of our gatherings here in 2017. And we want to have at least one Sunday where we see more than 500 people here on our campus for services. And I was talking about chasing God-sized dreams. And I, I just want you to know for me, in my heart, as we started this series talking about what we're trusting God for in this year, I want you to know what I'm trusting God for over the next few decades. Should the Lord tarry, which is a phrase that my grandparents said all the time, 
should the Lord tarry? And should the Lord not change what I believe he's called me to or what I have believed that I've heard and discerned from him for my life? I want Canton Church to impact this community for decades, generations to come. And I want to be a part of it. I believe God has called my family to this community. When I was growing up, we moved every four years. And every time I tell people that, they go, oh, your dad was in the military. Nope, he was in the ministry. It's very similar, very, very similar. (laughs) But his job wasn't that of a local pastor, except for the first few years of my life. He served in administration of our denomination. And as a part of that, his job had term limits. Some of you are familiar with that in your jobs, perhaps. But he could serve one place for four years, and then he had to move. So we always knew when we moved to a new place, we were only there four years. And so we moved, and I went to kindergarten in one place after having lived somewhere a few years. I went to first through fourth grade in one place, and fifth through eighth grade, there was a little bit of a change, or fifth through seventh grade, I guess, there was a little bit of a change. We moved a little early. I went eighth through 11th grade one place, and then I moved the day before my senior year. I went to a senior year of high school in a different place. Went to college. My parents still did that job for a few years. Then they changed jobs, and then they actually got to stay up to 12 years in a place, but I was no longer living at home, and so it didn't really matter to me. And when Corey and I got married, we really prayed and believed and asked God, God, would you help us to put down roots? Because see, Corey had a completely different childhood. She graduated high school with the same people that she started preschool with. That that was like a foreign idea to me. I I had no concept of that. I was like, wait a minute, you had friends for more than four years at a time? I'm not really sure how that happens. But we moved to Canton 10 years ago, last month. Before Canton campus and Canton church and All of that was a dream in Pastor Mark's heart and one that he released to us. Before any of that happened, we moved to Canton because we came on staff at Mount Perrin North, which was in Marietta. But at that point, the bubble of the real estate market had not burst, and everything in Marietta cost like nine bajillion dollars. And so we were looking for a house, and we found a house in the Holly Springs, Canton area. And so we bought that house, and little did we know all that God would orchestrate over the next five years to bring this place to be. We don't think it's an accident that we moved into a community where we weren't actually even doing active ministry. We were doing ministry 20 miles south of here, but God knew what he was doing, and we put down roots, and here's, here's a reality, and some of you are going to go, well, that's great. That's really neat, but you have to remember where I came from. Kinley started kindergarten this year and had the same kindergarten teacher that all three of her older brothers had had. That's a dream realized for me. That's a dream realized for me. And our hope for our family, our plan, our belief in God, what we believe God has called us to, is that the babies that we've dedicated over the last five years, I'm going to dedicate their babies to. The people that we've baptized over the last five years, I'm going to baptize their grandchildren. Maybe it's in this building, maybe it's in another building, but here in this community, we believe this is where we're putting down roots. We want to do ministry where our kids are doing life, where we're doing life. We want to have long-term relationship with you and with your friends and with your family. That's what we want to see. We, We have a dream that we believe could even outlast us. And so as we conclude this series, I just want you to know, like, this is not a short-term thing for me. I'm not just trusting God to do something in 2017. 
I'm trusting God to do something for the long term. And I want to be a part of that. And I want you to be a part of that. And I want your children and your grandchildren to be a part of that. Because for me, I want to see a good old age, have enjoyed a long life and wealth and honor, and someone to succeed me and to carry out the dreams that God has birthed in my heart and will birth in my heart for this place. That is one of the dreams that I'm chasing, that I'm asking God that it would outlive me. Now, as I read 2 Samuel 23, I come across a lot of names that I can't pronounce. And I come to all of these mighty men and all of their great exploits. And 2 Samuel 23 ends in verse 39 with this seemingly just inconsequential sentence. And Uriah the Hittite... There were 37 in all. Now, that name Uriah may not be an important name for you, but that's the name of the husband of Bathsheba. So when David was walking around on the roof, and he has this woman that catches his eye, and he brings her to the palace, and he commits adultery, and he has an affair, and then he tries to cover it up by bringing her husband home, and her husband won't go and be with her, and so he eventually has her husband killed. This is not some random soldier in his army This is one of his mighty men. It's one of his closest companions. He has him killed to cover up his own indiscretion. And as a part of that, we read that he would later repent and beg God of forgiveness, and he would marry Bathsheba, and she would get pregnant again, and she would have a son named Solomon. So when Solomon succeeds David on the throne... This is not some great, you know, storybook perfection. King David never made a mistake. So if you're sitting here today going, yeah, well, that's great. Like, I want to chase dreams, but you don't understand my circumstances. You don't understand the things that I've done. You don't understand the mistakes that I've made. I've chased some dreams, and they didn't work out for me. I've done some things, and I've made mistakes, and I got in a hurry chasing the dreams because I thought the realization of that dream looked like this, and it actually looked like this. Maybe I'm like Moses. I know God's calling me to greatness, but I don't realize setting his people free does not mean killing a guy out in the middle of the desert and burying his body. He got in a hurry. Maybe that's like you. Maybe you just got in a hurry. Maybe you haven't realized the dreams the way that you thought you would because you didn't fully see how God was going to accomplish that dream. And yet, the story here is that Uriah the Hittite, one of the mighty men of David, that David actually had killed to cover up his own indiscretion, led to... David and Bathsheba getting married, having a son named Solomon, who would eventually succeed David on the throne. And that succession, God would actually bless and say about Solomon that he was going to make his throne last forever. That's an incredible reality, recognizing that God knew how Solomon came to be and the union that brought him together, what it produced. David had a dream was bigger than himself. He wanted to build a temple for God. He wanted to create this place where the presence of God and the people of God could come together. But God said to David, he said, no, you're not going to be able to do that because there's too much blood that's been shed by your hands. You're a king of war. You're not a king of peace. And so you can't really build my house 
And so David gathered the supplies and he created the plan and he set his son up to succeed. And we're going to spend the rest of our time for the most part in 1 Chronicles 22. So if you've got a Bible, you can flip there with me. 1 Chronicles 22 is this incredible place where David is handing off one of his dreams to his son. He's talking about this plan that he had, the supplies that he's gathered, and what he wants his son to do because of what God is not allowing him to accomplish. Verse 5 of 1 Chronicles 22 says this. My son Solomon, he's addressing the people. My son Solomon is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord should be of great uh, magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. Verse 6. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. Verse 11. Now, my son, the Lord will be with you, and may you have success and build the house of the Lord your God as he said you would. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you in command over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Verse 14. I have taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too great to be weighed, and wood and stone. And you may add to them. You have many workers, stonecutters, masons and carpenters, as well as those skilled in every kind of work, in gold and silver, bronze and iron, craftsmen beyond number. Now begin the work, and the Lord will be with you. When I watch the Olympics, I have several favorite events. The Summer Olympics are kind of my thing. The Winter Olympics are cool, but I don't really get into those as much. I like the luge. Other than that, the bobsled, you know, other than that, I'm not a big fan. But the Summer Olympics, I really get into. I love the swimming, love the track and field. Track and field's kind of my thing. I love track and field. I love watching just about every kind of race or uh, competition in the track and field. Some of those events, I I have no idea what they're even trying to do. I'm not really sure why they jump over the thing into the water puddle. I can't really figure that out. I'm not sure why that's a big deal. But that's fine. I think it's a steeplechase or something. I can't really figure that out. But I love the the, the, uh, races, Right? I love the sprints. I love when some of the best athletes in the history of mankind, just they start and they run as fast as they can for a very short period of time and they beat somebody else in that race. I love it. It's incredible to watch. But I got to be honest, my favorite races are probably the relay races. I, I just love it. I don't know if it's because it's also about speed and it's also about racing really fast and it's about beating the other guys or the other girls in the other lanes. But I think there's that you know, kind of mystique, that air of mystery about the handoff and you got to rely on a teammate. And, and so I think it's something like that. I actually bought one of these batons this week that they, that they use and, and I didn't realize like what they were made of. I didn't really know that much about it. I never really ran track. I know that surprises you with the track runner body that I have. But um, I bought one of these this week and, and, and I, I've kind of carried it around for a day or two. And I've just imagined, because I heard that when they're training, like they, they carry these in their hand. They, they just kind of walk around during the day, and they're just holding them because they want to get in their hand that touch, that feel of what this baton feels like. So whenever it touches their hand, wherever it touches, they've actually grabbed a hold of this thing with that finger, with those, that part of their hand. Because, you know, when they're running really fast and somebody's trying to hand this thing to them, they don't want to drop it. If you drop it, you're actually disqualified. You don't get a chance to pick it up and keep running. And so the handoffs have to be perfect. And as I was thinking about today, several weeks ago, I was thinking about the idea that you and I are living life doing handoffs. 
That's really what the life of faith. And the life with a long view that thinks through the terms of generations is all about. It's about how well you handle the handoffs. That's really what it's about. That's, that's all of life. Because you can choose to just live your life to a good old age and die, and all of your dreams end with you. Your faith ends with you. The stories of God ends with you. The things that you've accomplished end with you. Or you can choose to take the long view, and you can determine that your life is going to actually outlive you, and your dreams are going to outlive you, and the plans of God that he has for you is going to actually outlive you, And so you can make sure that you receive from those who have come before you everything necessary for you to accomplish all that God desires to do in you. And you can make sure that before you're gone, at a good old age, having lived a good life, with wealth and honor, you can make sure that you don't drop the handoff. Your life and mine is about handing off what we've been given. That's what David did. David had a dream to build the temple of God. He wanted to do it. He wanted that dream to be realized in his lifetime, but God said, no, listen, this is not my plan. My plan is actually that your son would build the temple. And David could have said, no, 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 well, I, I don't want my son to build the temple because I don't want for the rest of history for it to be known as Solomon's temple. I want it to be known as David's temple. I think the Lord knew that it was really the Lord's temple, right, David? And you've shed a lot of blood, so I'm not sure that you can create a place where it's about peace and worship and me and my presence. And so, David, what I need you to do is I need you to make sure that everything that you've been given... Everything that I've shown you, all the way back there when you were just tending your father's sheep and all the way back there when you were standing in front of Goliath and you knew that God was with you and you knew that it wasn't about a rock that could kill Goliath, but it was the power of God in and through you that could kill Goliath. When you had that in you and you took it down into the cave and those men joined you and then you became king and you expanded the territory of the people of God and you changed the history of Israel... All of that that you've been given, I want you to take all of that and I want you to set up the next generation to accomplish something that you can't. How well are we handling the handoffs? How well are we handling the handoffs? Psalm 78 says, My people hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. He said that there are some laws and some statutes and some decrees. There are some things that God has said to his people. And you need to make sure that you're taking note of those things and that you are ready to hand those things off to even those that are not yet born. 
And you say, well, I don't have kids. He's talking about them. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know that we're going to have kids. Like, it's, it's kind of too late for that. I, we're not really going to have, like, next generations. It kind of ends with us. Then who else might God be calling you to hand some things off to? What is it that God may be calling me and you to hand off to those that are coming after us? What dreams are you chasing? What lions are you pursuing? What God-sized things are you trusting God for that will outlive you? How are you handling the handoff? I read a quote earlier from Abraham Lincoln. I want to go back to the very first president before he was even president. And read a quote from George Washington as he was addressing the Continental Army before the Battle of Long Island on August the 27th, 1776. He said, The fate of unborn millions will now depend under God on the courage and conduct of this army. Our cruel and unrelenting enemy leaves us only the choice of brave resistance or the most abject submission. We have therefore to resolve to conquer or die. The fate of unborn millions will now depend on the bravery and courage of an 830 service full of lion chasers. That's what you are. If you weren't four weeks ago, you are now. You're a lion chaser. You didn't know it, but you're a lion chaser. But here's the reality. You're not a lion chaser for yourself. You are a lion chaser. I am a lion chaser. Chasing after some things that are bigger than me, that will last longer than me, so that in my circumstance, Cooper and Branson and Tucker and Kinley and the people that they will one day marry and the children that they will one day have and every child that's in every one of those classrooms today and every Sunday going forward and every student on Wednesday night that comes into this place or any other place that we ever gather together and you and your spouse your significant others, your relationships, your friends, your co-workers. I'm a lion chaser, you're a lion chaser, because we have something to hand off. How are we handling the handoff? So here's a couple questions for you and a couple questions for me today. Who's handing off to you? Who came before you? Who's a few steps ahead of you? That you need to make sure you spend a little time with them talk to them, ask them, what, what did God do in your life? Where was God faithful to you? How has God shown himself to you? I need to grow my faith by listening to the stories of your faith. I want you to hand some things off to me so that I can hold on to them for a time and then I can hand it off to someone else so that their faith can be grown. Not only who's handing off to you, but who are you handing off to? As you run this race, who are you looking for? Because when I watch those races in the Olympics, what they do is when they start getting close, they are eyeballing their teammate. And you know what happens? Their teammate actually has to start running before they get to them. 
If you're a part of the next generation, whatever that may look like, you've got to actually be running to receive the handoff. You got to be moving. You got to be chasing lions. You got to be chasing after something so that someone looks at you and says, Yeah, 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 I want to put this in your hand because you're trying to accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish. Who are you handing off to? Who's handing off to you? We cannot afford to drop it. One of the saddest verses in all of Scripture talks about the grandchildren of Moses. It says that they knew not the Lord, nor the things that he had done for them. I'm just telling you today that as much as it depends on me, there will never be a generation attached to Canton Church in this community who knows not the Lord or the things that he has done for us. Because I refuse to drop the handoff. That's why I try to stay faithful in every area of my life. It's why you're called to do the same. Because it's not just these seemingly inconsequential decisions that you're making or that I'm making. We are running a race chasing lions, chasing dreams. As the next generation waits for us to look at them and say, I want to give this to you. Did you hear the words of David? He said, he said Solomon, I've prepared, I've done everything that I know to do, but you may add to this. They're not going to do it like you do it. They're not going to do it like I do it. But God is calling them to realize some dreams that you and I may not be able to realize. How are we handling the handoff? Be a lion chaser. Dream big dreams that scare you a little bit or a lot. And trust that God, who is the giver of dreams, that he will see those dreams come to reality in your life or the next. Let's pray. God, I thank you today that we can trust you with the dreams that you've placed in our heart. God, I pray for every person in this place right now that you would give them big dreams. God, that you would help them to chase big things. There's a bunch of lion chasers in this room. And God, I pray for the strength and the courage to pursue you with all of their might. God, I'm asking you to do great things in them and great things through them. But Lord, I'm asking you to help them to see that there are those coming after them that they are responsible to, that they've got to stay faithful and they've got to keep running the race and they've got to hand off everything that's been entrusted to them so that the next generation can keep running. God, let it never be said of this place or this community that anyone knew not the Lord or the things that he had done for us. That is one of our lions, and we chase it with all we've got. God, give us courage, give us strength to pursue you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. 
If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com.